Let us take our Bibles tonight for a little while and turn to Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter number 10. And uh, we were going to have an illusion tonight, but I think we'll move along and, and we'll do the illusions tomorrow. Yeah, I know it's better than my sermon, but uh, you'll have to come tomorrow. Now, by illusions, understand this is just kind of tricks on your eyes. We don't believe in magic, and obviously we wouldn't have that in a church if there was such a thing. So these are just sleights of hands and tricks and things like that that are used to bring the gospel about. I used to work with a guy named Don Ensminger. Any of you know Don Ensminger? Okay, some of you do. Yeah, you would. Boy, we used to work out at the fair with him, and he'd put all these illusions on, and he'd get this big, huge crowd watching him, and he's working the gospel into all these tricks he's doing, and then at the end he'd say, now if you'd like to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, come right over here and sit down, and we'll have one of our workers talk with you and pray with you. And I got to lead a lot of people to the Lord when I was like 14, 15, 16, doing that with Don Ensminger. He's in heaven now, but uh, but that uh, was quite a tool. But anyways, uh, Luke chapter 10, we're going to look at verses 30 through 37. And this is the story of the Good Samaritan. And uh, for those that may be ever tuning in in the future, watching this sermon, uh, on whatever, YouTube or whatever it's on, uh, we want you to know the background here is uh, for our daily vacation Bible school we're having tomorrow. Uh, so, because we know some people watch all the time and they're probably wondering what, what in the world happened to the church. So, just wanted to explain that to you that uh, are watching this. We're having vacation Bible school tomorrow with a Hawaiian theme. And uh, so, just try to ignore that. We'll pay attention to the word of the Lord for a little bit here. Tonight, I got to hear six sermons on uh, Tuesday down at the Tri-State Fellowship in Erie, Pennsylvania. And then I got to hear Brother Shutt this morning. I got to hear Brother Corn this morning. So I've heard a lot of preaching this week, and it's blessed my heart. And something was said during the course of this week about the uh, Good Samaritan that blessed my heart. And so I'd like to bring a message about the Good Samaritan. Uh, It's only found in the book of Luke. Uh, 60% of the book of Luke appears nowhere else in any uh, books in the Bible or the Gospels. I know they call Matthew, Mark, and Luke the synoptic Gospels because they kind of follow the same harmony, the same uh, uh, outline of Christ's life, whereas John is quite quite a bit different. But still 60% of the book of Luke is found nowhere else uh, in the Scriptures or the Gospels, including this story. And uh, Luke also contains 24 stories for women. Uh, there's no book in the Bible that has more stories for women in it than the book of Luke. So sometimes if you're working with a lady and she's new in the Lord and wants to know where should I start reading the Bible, uh, you could maybe uh, steer her to the book of Luke and tell her that. And she's going to see all kinds of times when Jesus just loves women or mentions women how valuable they are. It's a men's book, man's book too, so don't think, oh, Luke, Luke for ladies, I call it. But uh, don't think, oh, I, got, I don't need this book. No, no, there's so much in here, including this story right here. And Jesus answering said, verse 30, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. 
And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side, and likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, that is a certain lawyer that's mentioned back in verse 25. And he said, or the lawyer said, he that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, go and do likewise. Famous story. Almost all of you have heard this story uh, before. I do want to fo focus and. The title of the message tonight is Four Observations, Four Observations About the Good Samaritan that uh, you and I uh, can follow. Thank the Lord for these men in Scripture and women that we can follow their examples. The Good Samaritan is an example to us. This story, whether it sounds like a true story to me, usually... Jesus would always start a parable by, by, by the Bible saying he spoke a parable unto them to this end. But this starts out, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho from, and, was, uh, and fell among thieves. And so we have a story in answer to this question that a lawyer tempted Jesus with. Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 25, well... Eternal life, as we know, is not inherited. It is received as a free gift. But he didn't know that. And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he, the lawyer, said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. So this lawyer knew the word of God, and he knew what the most important commandments of the Old Testament were. And he answered and said unto him, Thou answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. And so Jesus said, That's all you got to do to have eternal life, is just love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Never miss a second. Never miss one day. And love your neighbor as yourself, and you'll make it in. Well, that leaves all of us out. Uh, we've never come close. The Lord has always used the law as a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after we're justified by faith, we're no longer a schoolmaster. And so the law slays us. Uh, the law condemns us. Not one of us has ever come close, probably on our best day. We've never come close to loving God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. And probably if we watched each other and compared each other's life, we'd probably never come close to loving our neighbor as ourself. We love ourselves, don't we? We're a self-loving people. We don't have to be taught how to do that. We're experts at it. We're experts at loving ourselves. And to love our neighbors like that, we, we don't even come close. So the Lord said, yeah, go ahead and do that. 
and you'll live. Just, just obey those two commandments and we'll let you in. Well, uh, nobody comes close to that. And so the lawyer, willing to justify himself, said to Jesus, who's my neighbor? And he tells a story that really has enlightened mankind for 2,000 years on who your neighbor is. And it's not necessarily just the person living next to you on either side or across the street. Those are your neighbors. But the story says anybody whose life intersects with your life, anybody, anywhere, is your neighbor. And then he tells a story that I'm sure was highly offensive to this lawyer, uh, being a Jew, about a good Samaritan. Because the Jews were convinced there wasn't a good Samaritan on earth. They hated the Samaritans. The Samaritans, as probably many of you know, were a mixed breed of Jewish and Assyrian uh, uh, race, uh, ethnic groups. And uh, they intermarried after uh, the way back 700 years before Christ, the Assyrians took over the northern kingdom of Israel. And after a while, the Jews who were in captivity <coughs> let their guard down and started intermarrying with the Assyrians, their sons and their daughters and stuff, for hundreds of years. You're living among Assyrians. Some boy is going to fall in love with some girl and intermarry. And those mixed marriages were called Samaritans. And so they were hated by Assyrians and by Jews, but especially by Jews. Jews hated Samaritans. The Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans whatsoever, according to John chapter 4. And so Jesus teaches the story about the good Samaritan and then asks the lawyer, uh, which now of these thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And I'm sure it was hard for him to say this, this answer, he that showed mercy on him. He did not say the Samaritan. He said he that showed mercy on him. And the Lord said, go and do likewise. So uh, there's good people everywhere, amen? Uh, and uh, it doesn't matter what skin color they are, what ethnic group they belong to or whatever. There's good people everywhere. And there's bad people everywhere. And uh, praise the Lord for this example. Now, of course, you got the certain priest. He's busy with his religious duties in verse 31. And by chance, there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. He's busy. He's, he's, God knows that what he has to do is important because he's got religious duties. He hasn't got time to help somebody who's half dead uh, because he's really religious. So he passes by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite. When he was at that place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. At least, at least he stopped and looked at him. But then comes the Samaritan, who we'll study tonight for a little bit and bring out four observations about him. Now, I don't know about you, but I have filled the shoes of all three of these people. If I could be transparent, I have been that priest. I have been that priest in my life who just said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a busy man. I'm a pastor. I got a lot of religious duties and I got a lot of things on my list of things to do this week that are so important. I don't have time for this person. I'm sorry to say that, but that's my confession tonight. There's been times like I've, uh, that I've been like this priest. God knows that I'm so important. And I've got so much to do. I don't have time to 
help this person over here. I gotta, I gotta pass on and, and, and do something. I've been like this Levite. I've been like this Levite who's looked on him and saw the situation, but then passed by on the other side. Maybe even had sympathy or empathy for the person. Uh, but, but feelings uh, are not a fulfillment of the commandment, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Uh, the Levite may have walked on and said, that poor fellow over there, he was beaten half dead, poor guy. Uh, but God knows I'm a Levite, and, uh, uh, and, and, and I've got important things to do. In, in God's business, in God's work, I've got important things to do. I'm a Levite. I got, you can read it in the Old Testament. Our responsibilities are great as Levites. I've been in those shoes. I've been in those shoes but then there's also the Good Samaritan. And I think if, if, if many of us were honest tonight, we'd probably say we've fulfilled, we've, we've been in the shoes of all three of these. Maybe. Maybe, maybe you've been the Good Samaritan. Great. Keep it up. And uh, God bless you that see everybody in your path that has a need, and uh, you do your part humanly to meet that need. If you're like that all the time, 100% of the time, that's wonderful. Keep it up. That's what the Lord wants us to do. But verse 33, we're now introduced to the certain Samaritan. I want you to notice four things about him that he exhibited, that we can exhibit too. Number one is awareness. Number one is awareness. In verse 33, it says, but a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Notice this awareness. If we're going to be like the good Samaritan, We need to be aware. It says, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him. That's quite a statement that you can study in your Bible, is how many times about Jesus in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Do a study, it says, where it says, and he saw him, and he saw her, and how Jesus was always looking out for people. And so this Samaritan had awareness. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, every one of us is on a journey. Every day of our lives, we have a journey. We have a place to go. That journey ends at the Bema seat, at the judgment seat of Christ. Every one of us, we're all funneling right into that. That's where it's going to end for us someday, right? Standing before the Lord. Your journey is different than mine, but all of us in our journey intersect with all kinds of different people. And uh, it sometimes happens on a daily basis, depending on what you do or where you go. But we intersect. Our lives just intersect uh, by chance with others. And chance is a Bible word. It says here in uh, verse 31, and by chance there came down a certain priest. And so I I don't subscribe to those who are sovereignists or Calvinists in such a strict way where they think everything is preordained to happen by the sovereign grace and providence of God. I don't subscribe to that. I believe there's such a thing in the Bible as time and chance. In Ecclesiastes 9, in verse 11, it says, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, 
but time and chance happeneth to them all. So not everybody's rich because they were so amazingly disciplined with their money. No, they just happened to luck out. That's what the Bible says. And maybe they had an, uh, an inheritance left to them. Um, not everybody wins an election because the people just wanted them. But, uh, and uh, there's quite a verse there in Ecclesiastes 9.11. Uh, Ecclesiastes is deep. And it says, after all these cases, but time and chance happeneth to them all. And so let's not be judgmental. Jesus once said, you, you think those people, those 18 people that died when the tower of Siloam collapsed on them were worse sinners than you are? No, they were just standing in the wrong place at the wrong time. He said, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So sometimes we make judgments. Somebody has an accident. Oh, man, the judgment of God must have like, you know, took them right out. No, no, they just may have been driving down the road and, and somebody uh, crossed the lane like that dear lady from uh, what, South Dakota. She was a, just last week, uh, what was, she was a, a, a representative down in Congress in Washington. Somebody crossed the lane, hit her, and two of her staff members head on, killed them all three. And the driver killed themselves. What's the chance? Sometimes things happen to us by chance, folks. And uh, I heard about a preacher one time driving home from a Sunday night service, independent Baptist, fundamental preacher, and as he's driving along, an oak tree came down and killed him, killed his whole family except one of the little boys. That oak tree was rotten. All right? And it just fell on him at that time. Time and chance. So let's be careful about our judgments that we make when things happen to people. Because time and chance may happen to you someday, or it may happen to me someday. Be in the wrong place and somebody starts shooting. You never know these days. And I remember one preacher, he was uh, living in the parsonage, and the church was over here, and it was really windy. And uh, he left the house to go check on the church, and... One of the, the metal, they had a metal roof, one of the metal roof, a piece of the metal roof blew off and hit him right in the head and killed him. So he was going to check on the church. What's, what, you don't make judgments based on things like this. There's such a thing as chance. I'm sorry about that rabbit trail. Let me get back to the Good Samaritan. Number one, awareness. It says, as he journeyed as, and came where he was and when he saw him. And when he saw him, boy, that, that is the key that's, we, we, we are, we live in a, dis, a world of distractions. It can be the radio in the car, it can be the cell phone, it can be endless movies, sports, man, sports just takes, is really taking men right out of God's service completely. And, and uh, there, there's so many distractions and we can get so busy in our lives that we just kind of go like this through life and we never see anybody that we are supposed to see. But this guy was different. Awareness. Awareness. Jesus said in John 8, I'm sorry, John 4, verse 35, he said, um, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already 
unto harvest. Lift up your eyes. Jesus saw a person after his whole life was just looking and seeing this person, seeing this person, seeing this person, seeing this person, and seeing what he could do to help. Number two, he exhibited compassion. Number one, he exhibited awareness. Number two, he exhibited compassion. The priest and the Levite did not. Verse 33, a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Now, compassion is not sympathy. Compassion is not empathy. Sympathy and empathy are good. At least it shows that you have a healthy conscience when you have those feelings. When we don't have those feelings, boy, we're in trouble. When our hearts are so hard and our conscience is so hard that we hear about somebody dying or somebody getting sick or somebody needing surgery or something, and it's like it has no effect on us. We have no sympathy, no empathy, no desire to drop right to our knees and pray uh, for them. Boy, that's, that's not a good vital sign of a healthy Christian. So I'm not saying sympathy and empathy is wrong, but compassion in the Scriptures, if you study the word compassion, there's seven examples in the New Testament. Every one ends with involvement. And that's number three. The uh, Good Samaritan exhibited involvement. So we need to have compassion and uh, we need to have the plight of others touch our hearts. And our hearts have to be stirred for humanity, broken humanity, uh, and to make a difference. Now, I think this story teaches us to just look for one person. We, I say this a lot, and I'll probably say it till I die, but while you're waiting to do something big for God... Do a bunch of little things. Because there's a lot of people doing nothing. Wait, well, I'm waiting for God to give me the big assignment. He doesn't give out big assignments till he sees somebody doing little assignments faithfully. Paul said, God put me in the ministry counting me faithful. And as God sees us doing little things faithfully, then he may give us a big assignment. But if he doesn't give us a big assignment... As I've said before, do the math, and if you do a bunch of little assignments over and over and over and over again, they, they build up. And it's, it's staggering how much a person can do in a lifetime ministering to one person at a time. In Matthew 25 and verse 40, it says, And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as as you have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me, one of the least. Now we may say, well, I'm going to help that person because they're really, really, really important in the Lord's work and they're really important in the church or he's an important evangelist or missionary. Boy, I'm going to get my wallet out and give that person a green handshake because they're really, really important. Well, that's a good thing to do. But Jesus said, Insomuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. That's what he's watching for. He's watching for. And so the message tonight is get involved and, 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 and you, you intersect 
people's lives, you can get involved with them like the Good Samaritan did here. Um, Thursday, I was on my way to church um, out of Perrysburg for the midweek service, and I pulled into the gas station, Wolf's Run, to fill up my car with gas, and I pulled behind this, like, motorcycle that I don't think it was even roadworthy. And I don't even know if I saw a license plate on it. But there was a man and a woman, and they were down on the concrete, and they were counting money in the change purse and a box they had and so on, and I heard them say they didn't have enough or or something like that. And and, uh, so I'm pumping my gas watching this and thinking, well, there's something going on here. So I, I, you know, hang up and I get in my car and I'm ready to pull out and I see her walk over to a guy and say, sir, do you have a dollar? And he said, no, I can't help you. I said, man, alive. I said, what would Judy Lape do? (laughs) 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 And so I had one of these uh, little Bibles and I I took out a $5 bill and I put it in there. That's what Judy Lape would do. And uh, I went like this and she's looking around and she sees me. I I go like that. I come over here and had the window down, I handed it to her, and she said, oh, thank you, thank you. And she, the, the guy could hear him say, oh, that wasn't that nice. I'm sure they probably read that, you know. They probably read that. Now, what I did is nothing compared to what this guy does here. He takes out two days' wages, verse 35, two days' wages, two days. How much do you earn in two days? Do the math. Some of you make a lot of money in two days. Uh, Pence was a day's wages in Bible setting. He took out two pence, gave it to the innkeeper. After, after he used his wine, his oil, his beast, verse 34, he brings him to an inn, takes out two pence, two days' wages, cares for him as much as he can, is trying to bind up his wounds and everything. I mean, this guy is, I'm sure these thieves were tried to beat this guy to death in verse 30. They, they didn't want to leave him half dead. They were... They were just in, in, in the, the road from Jericho to Jerusalem was a very dangerous road. In fact, Jesus only took it once, and that was with a huge crowd of people. By the way, that's a little lesson. Maybe try not to go into too many dangerous areas by yourself. Anyways, uh, but this guy does all of that and then says, Take care of this man and to the innkeeper and says, Whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. So he went as far as he could left him in the care of someone else, and then said, I'm going to come again, which brings us to number four. He exhibited follow-up. So number one, he, he, he showed us awareness. He said, you know, I'm, I'm going to go through life, and, and I see somebody, I said, just, my life just happens to intersect with this person at this time. He saw him, and how, how can he help? Number two, he showed compassion, and compassion always results in number three, involvement. So compassion is far greater than sympathy or empathy, but as I said, those, it's not bad to have that. It sure is better than just being dead and cold-hearted and saying, oh, too bad for him. That's not my business. To call the police or somebody or help that guy out. It always results in involvement. And uh, so we've we got to pray for compassion. I know I do. Uh, but all, compassion always leads to involvement and then follow-up. 
Then follow-up. Jesus said follow-up is part of the Great Commission to teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded of you. It's not always possible. Uh, like if you lead someone to the Lord at the Dunkirk Fair, who knows where they go off to in life, but uh, we need to try to follow up on them. Uh, in closing, I did a study on... Uh, 12 rewards in the New Testament, 12 rewards, and I typed it out. I've been teaching it out at Countryside. Some of you may have heard some of these. There's 12 rewards offered in the uh, New Testament that we can earn in this little life and receive in heaven. There's the wives' reward, the husband's reward, the children's reward, the father's reward, the employee's reward, the employer's uh, reward. A prophet's reward, a righteous man's reward, a disciple's reward, the afflicted's reward, the persecuted's reward. And then here's the one I like the most, the do-gooder's reward. The do-gooder's reward. And in closing, turn to Luke chapter 6. You're pretty close to that right now. The do-gooder's reward. There's a reward for doing good, just being a do-gooder. I mean, that's laughed at nowadays. Oh, he's a do-gooder. Well, what's the alternative? A do better or a do nothing or, or what? I don't know what the, what, what's your choice. We should be do-gooders. As Christians, we should be do-gooders. Look what Jesus said about being a do-gooder and notice the word rewards. Verse 35, <coughs> Luke 6. But love your enemies and do good. And lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. And that's something. Do good. Every one of us ought to have enough charity in our heart to help somebody out once in a while. We really should. And you shall be called the children of the highest. Why would you be called that by being a do-gooder? Well, because of his example, God's example. What is it? Look at the end of the verse. For he is kind unto the unthankful and the evil. Pastor, what if I get used? Well, you'll be just like God. There are some people who never talk to God until they're in a hospital bed or in their, they're in an accident or they're facing a divorce or something extremely traumatic happens. Then all of a sudden, God, you better be there for me. And he's kind to them. He's kind to the unthankful and to the evil, don't you think? I mean, he's been nice to atheists all day long today. Yeah, follow an atheist around, agnostic, secular humanist, evolutionist around. People who not only despise God, but spit on Him every chance they get. You know what God does? He's, he's good to them. Because ultimately, He's hoping that the goodness of God will lead them to repentance. Yes, you will be used. You will be misused. You will not get your money back. Uh, somebody will take advantage of you. But you remember, Jesus said, your reward shall be great. He didn't say, I'll give you a little recompense when you get to heaven. He said, no, no. You do good and lend hoping for nothing again. In fact, I don't lend much. I mean, but, but there's been some occasions where people have borrowed, and I said, oh, no, you, I'm not, you're not going to borrow this from me. I'm giving this to you. If you ever want to pay me back, that's your business. But I want you to know there's nothing between me and you. I'm giving this to you. This is a gift. This is a gift. Because if, if, if you say borrow it and then they don't pay you back, then there's a separation between you. 
and they, they bolt the other way every time they see in Walmart or whatever. But I'd rather just say, hey, look, this is a gift. If you can give it back, that's fine. If not, same thing with charity. Sometimes with, from the benevolence fund or at church or something, I just say, this is a gift from the church. I said, you don't ever have to pay this back. I said, if you ever want to, put it in the benevolence fund. Maybe it'll help someone else. But, but uh, um, the do-gooders reward is, is for people who follow the example of God. And you'll be called the children of the highest. And that's what the good Samaritan did. Boy, he was just like God. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you, Lord, so much for your word. And uh, we pray that again from this man we would learn lessons that you want us to, to learn. Lord, help me, help us to be aware. Lord, help us to have compassion. And Lord, we know compassion demands that we become involved. And uh, Lord, uh, go as far as we can with, with people and then maybe try to hand them off to somebody else. But then we also try to follow up if we can and see how they're doing. And so change us, Lord, for this is what it means to love our neighbor as ourself, the second greatest commandment that you have ever given us. And we pray for your help now in this. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's turn to page 644. 644. I know we can sing this almost from memory, but try to let the words affect you tonight. Try to let the words affect you tonight. Pretend you're singing it for the very first time. It's a wonderful song. And as we stand together and sing, help somebody today. If you need to come and pray for somebody on your heart, you come right now.